welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. This week, the students are busy writing their five-paragraph essays, so you're going to get the story from their teacher. In the early 1800s, France and Great Britain were again at war with one another. Napoleon was attempting to conquer Europe, and Great Britain was continuing to rule the oceans with the most powerful navy in the world. In the United States, there were two major political parties, the Democratic Republicans and the Federalists. The Democratic Republicans were Thomas Jefferson's and James Madison's party. The organization was led by farmers from the South and West. In general, they favored strong state governments and desired a strict interpretation of the U.S. Constitution. In the war between France and Great Britain, they tended to favor France. The Federalists were led by merchants from northern cities. The party grew from the beliefs of Washington and Hamilton. They believed in a strong national government and interpreted the U.S. Constitution loosely. In the war between France and Great Britain, they tended to favor Great Britain. A divided national government led by Thomas Jefferson and then James Madison believed there were financial and political reasons to blame Great Britain for the troubles. Great Britain was interfering with U.S.-European trade. U.S. merchant ships in the Atlantic Ocean were stopped by British ships and sailors were taken and forced to work for the British. Meanwhile, the United States wanted to expand into Native American, British, and Spanish territories on the North American continent. However, Great Britain was militarily supporting Native American opposition to U.S. expansion. Some politicians in the United States even wanted to conquer Canada and end British influence in North America. In Vermont, there were people who fell on both sides of the issue. Many Vermonters had strong Federalist leanings because of close trade relations shared with British Canada along Lake Champlain. Other Vermonters on the east side of the state still felt a strong connection with Great Britain. Meanwhile, in 1798, the Federalist-controlled national government passed the Alien and Sedition Acts, which gave more control to the national government and limited individual freedoms. This caused many Vermonters to switch to the Democratic Republicans because the party advocated for more individual rights and less national government control. During the run-up to the War of 1812, the Vermont government was mostly controlled by the Federalists, but the margins between the two parties became less and less. This is where we insert a strange but true tale. John Henry was an Irish immigrant who first landed in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania around 1796. He was reported to be handsome, charming, learned, and articulate. He became a newspaper editor and managed a wine business in Philadelphia. While there, he courted and married the daughter of one of the most prominent Anglican preachers in Pennsylvania. The preacher was reported to have been a loyalist during the Revolution. Tensions with France caused the United States to beef up its military, and an influential uncle in New York obtained a U.S. Army Captain's Commission for John Henry. He served a short time along the New York and Rhode Island coastlines. After leaving the Army in 1800, he and his wife moved to New England and became active in the Federalist Party. The young family spent some time in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and then moved to Windsor, Vermont. In Windsor, Henry studied the law, operated a real estate business, and was a partner in a tannery. John Henry was a good talker and became friendly with prominent members of Dartmouth College. 
He knew how to move in refined circles of American aristocracy. He wrote articles for Federalist-leaning newspapers and promoted a pro-British agenda. His real estate connections and pro-British leanings led him to relocate his family to Montreal, Canada in 1807. John Henry quickly endeared himself to mid-level British-Canadian government officials and continued to travel between Canada and Vermont on real estate matters. In 1808, Henry had private business in Boston and took the opportunity to visit with politicians and prominent businessmen along the route from Montreal to Boston. From his visits, he compiled information about the attitudes of New England leaders in regards to the ongoing conflicts between Great Britain and the United States. President Jefferson had placed a trade embargo against Europe in hopes of removing the United States from the European War. This embargo was not welcomed by those who traded with Canada. Over the next five months, John Henry acted as a spy for British Canada. He sent 14 separate reports to government officials in Montreal and hoped his information would lead to an appointed Canadian government position. In his reports, he said he met with political and business leaders of Vermont and Massachusetts. His stated goal was to convince Vermont, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Connecticut that they should leave the U.S. and form an alliance with Great Britain. He reported that he had been successful in meeting this goal. He believed if the U.S. declared war on Great Britain, then these four states would leave the Union. Henry also reported that he made arrangements with Vermont Governor Tishner. These plans included a guarantee that Vermont would remain neutral in any war declared by the U.S. According to John Henry, Tishner also promised that the Vermont militia would refuse orders that included an invasion of Canada. Henry went on to say that nine-tenths of the people of Vermont would agree to a separation with the United States if the country went to war with Great Britain. He reported that the Vermont militia and customs officials were not enforcing the United States trade embargo. He said, Free trade with Canada is the philosopher's stone which turns everything to gold. Unfortunately, in 1809, John Henry's wife died. They were the parents of two young daughters, and Henry felt more pressure to secure a Canadian government-appointed job. However, Henry's efforts to impress the Canadian government with his loyalty did not result in a steady job. His main government contact died, and other officials were not as impressed with his efforts. Frankly, they didn't believe everything he wrote. John Henry believed, though, that he should be rewarded for his efforts and sailed to England in an unsuccessful attempt at convincing the British government that he was worthy of recognition in a government position. While on his return voyage to North America, Henry decided to offer his letters to the United States government. If the British would not honor his efforts, then he would share the treasonous information he had gathered with the other side, if they were willing to pay. By this time, James Madison had become president and he was under a great deal of pressure from the Democratic Republicans to declare war against the British. Word reached Madison that a British spy was willing to sell information to the U.S. government which would prove the New England Federalists were planning to leave the United States and form an alliance with Great Britain. In February 1812, tensions between the two major political parties convinced President Madison to pay $50,000 for the John Henry Papers. He bought the documents without knowing John Henry or having seen the actual papers. Once the Henry Papers were made public, a Vermont newspaper wrote the following. It is truly laughable to hear Federalists now denounce John Henry as a traitor, a man of no character, honor, or integrity. And well they may, for in exposing the secret tension of their leaders, he has consigned them to merited infamy. But the real fact is that no man was ever more caressed, courted, or idolized by any party than was John Henry during his residence in this state. 
and since his removal to Canada. President Madison claimed the paper showed that Great Britain had hired a secret agent and was conspiring with Federalist Party leaders to destroy the United States by encouraging New England states to secede from the Union. A thorough investigation of the John Henry papers showed that they were fraudulent. Henry exaggerated his influence with New England leaders and erased or crossed out much of the information he had shared with Canadian officials. For instance, the information about Vermont Governor Tishner wasn't known until the 20th century when historians came across the original letters in Canadian archives. President Madison was embarrassed once the true nature of the papers was discovered, but he declared war against Great Britain in June of 1812 anyway. The war ended in 1815. A 19th century history book, The Story of Vermont by John Heaton, summed the war up this way. The war meant nothing. It decided nothing. Neither side was victorious. The Federalists had been right in opposing a war which was caused solely by European complications. The Democratic Republicans were right in insisting British aggressions upon neutral commerce were unbearable. John Henry and his daughter set sail for France a few days before President Madison released Henry's papers to the public. He would never return to the United States. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.